This is Marklin Johnson. I'm doing an interview for the Gist of Freedom Radio, and I'm interviewing Don from the Family Portraits USA, a TV series soon to come out. He's one of the executive producers. I'm going to call Don now. Hello, Don Perry. Don, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good to hear you. This is Marklin Johnson from the Gist of Freedom Radio. Yes, Mark. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. Good. I'm so glad that you were able to take an opportunity to take, uh, actually take a few moments to talk to us about uh, your project, the Family Family Pictures USA. Yes. Uh, Don, I just wanted to ask you real quick, how long have you been involved with this? So right from the very beginning, uh, actually even before the beginning, uh, Family Pictures USA started as part of a community outreach program that we put together for the film that Thomas Allen Harris and I uh, co-wrote and he directed called Through a Lens Darkly, Black Photographers and the Emergence of a People. And what we were aiming for Uh, was a way to surface archives that really weren't available anywhere else. They weren't in museums, they weren't in libraries, they weren't in historical societies, uh, but we knew they had to exist. And they were images of black families going about their lives, being families. Um, We could find all sorts of uh, negative, stereotypical, derogatory images. Uh, We could find all sorts of images made about black people, but we couldn't find images by black people. And so we started in Atlanta, uh, 2007, uh, with a kind of a a call for for help. Uh, We said, we're looking for these images uh, and we're going to be uh, at this uh, auditorium tomorrow. And please, if you've got any, come out and share them with us. And the next day, what happened was completely overwhelming and stunning in terms of the number of images that African-Americans had going all the way back to the inception of photography uh, in 1840 of images of black families made by uh, black sitters, uh, black photographers uh, all across the country. And we were just inundated. And so, you know, we did it once and then people would tell their friends and relatives and other places and we would be invited to another place. And then soon we found ourselves traveling the country uh, as the Digital Diaspora Family Reunion Roadshow, uh, amassing an archive of over 25,000 images uh, from black families all across the country. I actually love the fact that you say that you were able to establish 25,000 images from across the country. Um, One thing that stood out also for me is how you said the stereotypes of what we see every day for black people, but yet and still you were able to collect pictures of black families just living a life like anyone else. Why do you think that when we publish, why do you think when they publish pictures of good old USA, the pictures are never of the black family per se living a regular American life? Well, I think it's really very uh, critical. Uh, one of the things that, that we were aiming for in the film was this whole notion of visual literacy and the narrative that America has created around black people 
going again all the way back to the inception of photography presenting us in a very particular light that would comport with the accepted um, role of black people as sub uh, servants or servant uh, servantile uh, in American culture. Uh, we were never given uh, the opportunity to be presented uh, as uh, fine upstanding citizens. Uh, to, to put our own images out there in, as a way to point to our basic human decency. It's one of the reasons that Frederick Douglass became the most uh, photographed man of the 19th century, putting out 160 images of himself because he knew it was absolutely essential to counteract the, the negative stereotypes and the negative portrayals because for most people, they didn't know you know, black people. They never came into contact with black people. All they knew about black people was what they saw in the newspaper, right? So by putting his images out there and making that part of a concerted effort to change the narratives to get people to question what they were visually being fed, um, he was able to to carve out space for himself and certainly uh, in that post the Civil War Reconstruction era, uh, you know, to, to put forward the, the, the prospect of uh, African-American inclusion as real contributors to the building of the country. But as we saw uh, with the, uh, uh, the rise of Jim Crow, the Black Laws, and, and how Reconstruction's uh, promise was stifled, uh, it, you know, the, the whole culture went backwards. Uh, in terms of well, let's not let's revalue these people again and let's denigrate them, and you know they're really not worth anything. And right on up to and including the present day, when you see imaging of black people, a lot of those tropes that were created back in the 19th century and the early 20th century are still there. Uh, black people as shifty, black people as lazy, black people as criminal, black people uh, as not worthy. You know, that's why today, today even, when we see just wholesome images of blackness, it's kind of a shock. It's like, wow, you know, where'd that come from? Yeah, it, because, it's amazing. <laughs> I will say it's amazing that here we are in 2017, and it's amazing how many people don't realize that black people are just like everybody else, just trying to get through life and figure it out. One thing that amazed me was the stories. Um, I went to your website, which was, and I do apologize if I don't say it the right way, so please forgive me. I'm making sure I say everything the right way. I'm, you know, kind of working my way through everything. It was the it was the uh, www.oneworldonefamily.me. Correct. And when That's I went it. to that site, some of the stories that you guys shared are amazing stories. Uh, the one that stood out to me was the Mighty Joe Von Battle. Yes. And how he owned his own record shop. And people don't realize that. And, and I like what you said about how by not showing these pictures, we're not showing these people. We're not showing our own black culture how we've accomplished great things a long time ago. This gentleman owned a record shop when he wasn't supposed to own a sh record shop during segregation. Correct. And he and go ahead. I'm sorry. And, you know, and, and and the thing about Joe Van Bottle is that if he weren't around, if he wasn't the one doing what he was doing, we would have lost the blues. 
because he brought the blues into our popular consciousness, right? He was the guy. He was chess records before chess. Yes. Um, right. Uh, and he, in his way, nurtured black artists at a time when there really weren't a lot of outlets for them creatively. He made records for um, uh, people that uh, you know, would go on to become uh, huge iconographic figures in the blues. Uh, but if he hadn't been there, we wouldn't have known who they were. We wouldn't have seen them. They wouldn't. It would have been completely different. And I think that's a I think that's a key point how a lot of things that we say existed in life, for instance, when we talk about today, how home ownership amongst blacks is down, it's because we don't show the positivity of blacks owning homes. So what you're saying, and I'm using that as an analogy to what you're saying, this gentleman showing that you can own a business and you can run it and he he maintained an integral part of our history that helped other people as they moved along in life. You know, it probably this was probably the motivation for uh, Barry Gordy Jr. Barry Gordy Jr. Uh, spent hours, hours in Joe Von Battle's shop, talking shop, if you will. How do you run a record company? <laughs> How do you manage artists? Uh, he learned a lot from Joe Van Battle because they shared a similar interest in the blues and in jazz. Uh, and when Barry Gordy first started his record company, he was he was basically selling jazz and blues. Um, the problem was uh, that as you know, Elvis Presley kind of broke through everything, uh, and, and Barry Gordy's focus was to try to move things more toward mainstream. Um, he, he, he had a very difficult time competing in, in the, the music industry. Um, and it was, and, and, and that was part of the motivation uh, to move his, or change genre, if you will, uh, in, in terms of, of Motown and the Motown sound. But there's even more that people may not really know about. And, you know, one of the things we hope to show with our new TV show is kind of, well, if you think Motown was first, wait till you hear about universal sound systems. Oh, one, there's, we always say what's first. What's first is what they allow us to know. But right. what's always first, there's a lot more history behind it because somebody had to learn it from someone else. You know what I mean? And, That's it. And someone had to put the buzz in their ear and someone had to put that little energy to make them say, listen, this is something you could do for a living. So don't give it up. Keep going. You can make it bigger than I did. It's never the biggest thing when it starts. It always starts somewhere small. What I did want to ask you, which I found to be an amazing was the amount of people that discovered that they were related. Your uh, one video of cousins meeting for the first time, but they yes. knew about each other. They had heard of each other uh, because uh, one one of the cousins lived um, in Burkina Faso. Um, no, excuse me, uh, lived in uh, Sierra Leone. Lived in Sierra Leone. Yes. Uh, and 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 the other cousin and and half the family lived here in the U.S. Um, and uh, but via Jamaica, via Jamaica, Jamaica was kind of a a similar uh, melting pot for them. But what happened? So they had known through family stories about other members of the family in other places, but they'd never met. You know, they, they'd never had a physical, oh, hi, you're my cousin. So you know, it was very interesting. We did uh, one of our live Digital Diaspora Roadshow events in New York as part of the African Film Festival. 
uh, Mahan Bahet Bet Benetti's uh, great festival um, every spring in New York. And Mahan uh, makes it a point of bringing artists uh, and filmmakers from the throughout the African diaspora uh, to be part of this festival. And uh, she had uh, this wonderful photographer that she had met on her travels as she was collecting films who lived in Sierra Leone. Uh, and, and she had invited that person to come uh, to see the festival. And unbeknownst to, to that person, to, to, to the Sierra Leone artist, um, you know, we're showing uh, you know, a little trailer for uh, Through a Lens Darkly. Uh, and one of the people who speaks in it is another photographer who's based here in New York. Um, and uh, you know, the, the woman in the audience didn't think much of it. And then you know, we asked people in the audience to come up and share. And so she gets up and starts sharing. And that's when the woman that was in our film says, wait a minute, did you say your name is Macaulay? And if, you know, from Jamaica, and then going back to you know, Sierra Leone, and they discovered that, to their to their shock, here the, here's this person that I've heard about, but had never met, that, that these cousins met in New York at our event for the very first time, and uh, the audience learned in addition to you know that great family reunion. But when we think of Sierra Leone, we're thinking, oh, it's a it, it's a, a West African country, and it's all these black people. We're seeing images of this woman's family in Sierra Leone, and half of them are white Germans, but they're actually white Africans. They, they're, they're second, third, fourth generation, born and raised as Germans in Sierra Leone, mixing with uh, in, in, you know, the native indigenous people. And so now we have this kind of black and, and Germanic uh, background mixing, coming together. And it's just like people's eyebrows, you know, we're kind of like, wow. I had no idea that there was this kind of ethnic um, interrelationship uh, in that place. They had no idea. Uh, and that it, it, it spread from Sierra Leone into Jamaica uh, and that it has, a, you know, it, it comes here to the U.S. as well. So it, it just people who think, oh, I'm, I'm full blooded German, but I, I've you know, lived in Jamaica for a while. And now you've got some Sierra Leone roots. Do you, as you've been going through this process, do you think that more people have uh, been have been very receptive of it? They really enjoy it and they want to tell their stories. Yes, um, what we have found is that there is this hunger to make personal testimony um, about one's background, about one's family, about the things that people have discovered. Uh, you know, ever since Alex Haley's Roots. I love uh, that right, book. Right. Uh, people have been trying to explore, well, where did I come from? How do we get here? Right. And there's been a tremendous amount of, of research that's been done at the family level. Family, you know, people within their, their own families doing the genealogy, going, trying to find back the old, old ancestors. And, and now, uh, through the magic of the Internet, through the digitization of things, uh, you know, we're, we're slowly getting images to go with names. Uh, and it's opening up. And, and as more and more records are, are being digitized and things are being found, um, people, we like to think that we are. Uh, a, a grandmother's best friend. And, and we say that because, you know, grandmothers who are doing a lot of this uh, work on the family genealogy, they told 
everybody in the family a million times, this story, that story. And, and, and it's kind of like people roll their eyes when they come around. But we come around with fresh ears and they can't wait to tell us their story. So we get all this great stuff. And then we're able to connect the dots between this story over there and this story over here. And it's like, look at this, you know, this place that we call home uh, and look at how varied it, it is. Look how nuanced it is. Look at the new things we learn about who we really are. Because I, we're bringing, I love that. I love yeah, that. One we, thing. One thing I always like is when, um, you know, unfortunately, we have a little bit of a divide in this country and people always want to disparage black people about, you know, when their grandparents came here and all that kind of stuff. And I always say to people, my family has been here so long that they weren't even listed as people. So I was able to look that type of information up. You know what I mean? Right. Like I looked up one thing on Ancestry.com, not to give them a shout out, but when I looked them up, my uncle was listed as a black boy, maybe of age 10. You know what I mean? Right. And and that's for a lot of black people. That's part of their history that when we go so far back, we literally I mean, some black people because their family kept great records and they every family had that one person that wasn't supposed to read that learned how to read. You know what I mean? Right. But well, for some it, of us, it, it, it didn't happen. It, it's even more complicated, right? It's even yes. more complicated it, because, uh, yes, there were enslaved people brought here, but there were also people who came here free. Oh, that's powerful. Okay. We don't know those stories, right? We don't talk about that. Yes. We talk about African-Americans in America uh, always from the perspective of the victimhood, always from the perspective of the enslavement. Right. It's, it's kind of the argument that I had uh, with some folks in public media who were so uh, jazzed about creating this new learning game uh, for middle schools. Uh, and, and they had you know, they wanted to tell the story of America and have uh, uh, 11, 12, 13 year olds uh, pick one of these characters and follow that character's journey through uh, through America. Right. But for the uh, for the Anglo kids, uh, they had uh, like a, a young boy who was dressed as a continental uh, soldier, you know, the hat, the sash, the, you know, the big blue coat. For the Native American uh, uh, character, they had uh, the stereotypical Indian brave, you know, shirtless with a, uh, a, a lone feather coming over their head. Horrible, right? And then for the African-American character, they had this enslaved girl, right? And as some parents said, why would I want my child to to pick the character of the enslaved girl, right? <laughs> and follow the enslaved girls through freedom when at the exact same time, it would have been just as interesting, if not more so, to have the character, the black character, be a free black girl in Philadelphia whose parents were involved in pushing the abolitionist movement, right? But we don't want to talk about... Uh, blacks that were free in this country that owned businesses that had trades that had means who were in the vanguard of abolition right we only want to talk about abolitionists from the perspective of reifying uh white folks as the the, the movers and shakers behind it that's that's a powerful thing and i think that's what telling there are so many people who even if now they're not huge in the movement 
but they have deep roots in the movement. They have deep roots in the movement of America, and they have deep roots in the movement of the black community becoming a better, more unified community. And I think by telling that story through pictures, people are able to relate more because showing someone, I remember years ago, and it's funny, my father was huge on pictures. Before he passed away, he had tons of pictures. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And the amazing thing about it was I have some of those pictures with me and I never I never quite understood and I'm an only child. So now I have most of those pictures with me. You know what I mean? Right. And I go through right. them and I look at them and I go, "Wow, that was my uncle. Wow. That was my you know like that was my uncle, that was my aunt." And I don't know some of their names, but when I was watching your video, what what caught me was how people knew about each other and then they somehow connected with each other. Yes. Uh, it, the, we did an experiment, if you will. We, we took uh, just the images, a slideshow of images of uh, a wide range of people that, you know, images that have been shared with us through our live events. But uh, because we are African-American filmmakers and because we know that representation has been problematic we kind of put a thumb on the scale to make sure that there is definitely inclusion and diversity uh, in the images that, that, that we want to put out there. So we took this slideshow to uh, a, a posh private uh, school here in New York. Um, and we showed these 11 and 13 year olds this slideshow for about 10, 15 minutes. And then we, we asked them afterwards, um, what do you think? And one little kid, maybe 11, you know, raised his hand in the front row and said, they, they look like people that could be in my family, even though they, you know, they were black. Uh, they, they, they were um, from, you know, the early uh, uh, part of the 19th century, late uh, 18th, uh, uh, late, uh, uh, late 19th, early uh, 20th. And the reason he felt that they could be this way is because in his home, those are the images that are on the wall. You, you, you are, are top of the mantelpiece. And families make a point of saying, this is who you come from. This is where you're from. I mean, it's a big thing in this country, right, to, to talk about your origins. And the New York Times did a survey, uh, did a study that, that um, uh, said that children who know their family story are 10 times better at being able to handle uh, things that life throws at them. They're, they're more stable. Think about our families, African-American families, uh, who are not passing on, this is where you come from, who are not looking at this visual history and say, this is how we got over, and, and, and enabling our children to have the skills and the strengths and the resilience to deal with all the vicissitudes that, that, that life throws at them. Uh, you know, to, to know that, well, whatever it is you're dealing with today, know that your great uncle over here overcame that, or we own this over here, or we had, you know, we come from something, we have something, we're people that are worthy, right? Those are important messages to be passing along. Those are important elements of, of, of character building, of community sustaining, uh, that sadly, I think, uh, you know, the, it's a little thin in some quarters. No, I, I agree with you. One thing that's amazing, I, and I want to remind people again, we're with Don Perry, one of the producers 
for Family Pictures USA, a show that is about uniting families with pictures. The show is about people going into their history and discovering these pictures and putting names and faces and uh, just identifying who these people are that they don't even realize that these are important people, not only in their families, but the rich history that their families have. Because as Americans, we all have a rich history. Would you not say that, Don? Absolutely. And, and unfortunately, we're only getting one side of it. And so part of what we're trying to do through the film, through the social media group that we have uh, on Facebook and through Instagram, uh, as well as you know, now through the television show, is to, to bring a much fuller uh, uh, picture of what our history is so that people will be able to see themselves in the other, uh, that people will be able to realize that, well, gee, you know, those people aren't that different from us. <laughs> those folks are, are, you know, they have the same values. They have the same experiences. Uh, gee, they're just people like we are. And if we can do that, if we can get people to truly embrace that common humanity that underlies everything, uh, I mean, I think that's the, that, that's the work right there that's the uh, that's the payoff. i think i think that's an important thing and everyone's got a different way of trying to change or should i say trying to invoke change and trying to bring the message out to everyone and i think what you and what thomas are doing and thomas allen ladies and gentlemen is the other producer for this which i do want to talk about i want to jump this and it seems like if i'm jumping around please forgive me what no problem what has been the process that you have gone through for producing this what what really got you guys going that you're like oh my god this could be bigger than just a small time project this could become bigger what what where were you when you made that decision so it was uh probably 2016 um the fall of 2016 um we, we had come off a very successful theatrical run and broadcast for the film Through a Lens Darkly. And uh, we, we were touring, uh, doing the Digital Diaspora Road shows. And uh, one of our funders, um, uh, the Ford Foundation, said to us, you know, this would make a great TV show. And we said, TV show? You know, the lights kind of went off. How do we do that? We spent... Um, been about uh, a year uh, putting together ideas and concepts and kind of con- you know, structuring things and figuring out what it might look like. And then, um, again, Ford Foundation, Wincoat Foundation, um, uh, the Center for Asian American Media, uh, Black Public Media, uh, and uh, a couple of other uh, folks came together and said, you know, Here's a, here's some funds. Let's let's try to you know make something that uh, give us an idea of what this TV show would be like. And we went to uh, at that time uh, we were talking with uh, uh, a young lady, uh, Kalisha Davis, at the Detroit Historical Museum, who first saw our film in Oakland when she was working uh, working in San Francisco area. And uh, you know, she, she called us uh, as we were going through this kind of analysis and, and figuring things out, uh, telling us about her move to Detroit and about how they were doing this big project around the, the 1967 riots. And would we want to bring Digital Diaspora to Detroit? And we said, hmm, 
that sounds like the perfect place for us to test everything. I like that. Uh, I like that because that was key right there. I was about to ask you about the Detroit thing, but you're explaining it, which is perfect, how you went into Detroit. Yeah. I mean, the whole community was about to be activated by the Detroit Historical Museum uh, around the 50th anniversary of the Detroit riots, rebellion, uprising, um, and, and we knew a lot of people were coming to Detroit. There's going to be a lot of discussion, all these film crews and all this stuff around the riots and whole, you know, horrible broken down Detroit and the history and everything since and the white flight and all that. And we said, but you know what? We're not interested in any of that because that doesn't tell the real story of Detroit. Detroit is a community. It, it was a community before those riots. It was a community during those riots. It was a community after those riots. And it still is a community. And people didn't just abandon it. Uh, they stayed. And they, 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 they did the things that communities always do. They, they found a way forward. And we wanted to look at that. Because the other thing that came through, uh, no matter where we went, if you ran into someone who is a Detroiter, uh, born and raised, no matter where they live now, uh, they always consider themselves to be a Detroiter. And if you run into them, the pride of being from Detroit, the, the Detroit swagger, uh, it, you know, is right in your face. And it's like, well, what causes that? Why do people feel that way? That was what we wanted to get at in, in, in going to Detroit with Family Pictures USA. We wanted to understand the real Detroit, the Detroit that says we're family and we're going to get by. Hello? Don, I am so sorry. Somehow the phone became disconnected, but we could just pick up right from where we were at. No problem. Right. So as I was saying, we, we wanted to find the real Detroit uh, where, where people, and as we discovered through the family histories, through the family photographs, people had been coming to Detroit as a mecca, uh, as an opportunity, as a place for them to remake themselves into their own vision of who they wanted to be and who they felt they were. Whether it was um, people escaping out of the South uh, for a better life in the North uh, before the Civil War, during and after, whether it was people coming from Europe to escape persecution, uh, whether it was um, uh, you know, people coming for economic opportunities because it was where you could get a job. Um, People came to that city in order to make a new life, a new to see themselves in a new way, uh, and that 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 root, that core, is so central to understanding Detroit today. Uh, why people feel the way they do about the place, um, and all of the you know you take the, uh, the 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 news perspective or the CNNs and all that, they completely overlook it, you know, because it's not. Uh, it's not in that preconceived idea that this is, you know, Detroit. It's a horrible place. It's, uh, you know, it, it's fallen on bad times and things aren't getting better. Or, you know, you have to throw all that out the window. And it's not just because, oh, white people are now moving into Detroit and making it better. No, 
black people are still moving to Detroit and making it better. L uh, Latinos are moving to Detroit and making it better. Asians, uh, people of color from all around the world are coming to Detroit because today, still to them, this is a place where they can make their vision, uh, uh, their, their dream uh, come true. And that's a powerful motivator. Oh, it definitely is. We uh, we're we're out of time right now, but I would love to. I host another podcast. It's called The Black Experience. I would love to have you on that podcast and talk about you know family Family Pictures USA and talk about everything that you guys are going through. I will make sure I extend out an invite to you. Oh, please do. And uh, you know, if anyone wants to uh, learn more, uh, certainly go to our um, FamilyPicturesUSA.com website. Uh, they can see uh, you know, teasers for the uh, the new series. They can uh, see some of the uh, the outtakes from some of our film filming in Detroit, and uh, they'll also see uh, we have one more week left for our our Indiegogo campaign. And if they want to help support us, uh, and certainly we encourage people to do that. Oh my God, that is great. And I love the fact that people can feel like they're part of it. Like, hey, I'm part of the process. I think that's a beautiful thing. Again, this is Marklin Johnson from the Gist of Freedom Radio. And I have Don Perry, who's a producer from Family Pictures USA. When that comes on air, you guys got to check it out. Don, what do you got to say for your parting shot? Go to FamilyPicturesUSA.com and uh, check us out and support us because it really is about us telling our stories so that people will know we were here. That's a powerful thing, and you will be on my show. Trust me, I will send you an invite. You have yourself a great evening. You too. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.